1 Corinthians chapter 15, and if you look there at verse number 57, it says, but thanks be to God. Thanksgiving is traditionally a time that when we stop, if I could use this as an illustration just in your mind, as we stop and we turn around and we look. It's a time when we look at our past and where we're at. It's a time when we look at people in our past and people surrounding us where we're at and we say thank you. We say thanks to people. Uh, you have in your heart, in your life, people that you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my mom and my dad. Y'all ought to be thankful for your mom and your dad. Number one, they didn't abort you. When they found out they were expecting you, your daddy picked up another job. Your daddy got scared. He was like, oh no, how am I going to do this? Y'all be thankful for your parents. Y'all to be thankful for your in-laws. Come on now. I know we make a lot of jokes about in-laws, but y'all ought to be thankful for your in-laws. They recognize an opportunity to get rid of their child <laughs> and to give them to you. Y'all ought to be thankful for your siblings. How many, how many have siblings? How many have siblings? Good. How, how many, you're the, uh, you're, you're, the, you're the best one of the siblings? You're, you're the best one? Okay. 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 All right. Y'all know how this one goes, don't you? The, the, the old, Miss Anetta, Miss Anetta, Miss Anetta, let me preach if you'll do that. That'd be awesome. And uh, y'all know how this goes. Y'all, men can say amen. I'm okay with that. Amen. So, uh, but, but you know how this goes. The, the oldest sibling, they're bossy. The youngest sibling is a brat. The only normal siblings are the middle siblings. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But, but I am thankful. I think if you're married, y'all to stop and thank your spouse for putting up with you. This Thanksgiving morning, you better wake up and go, thank you for putting up with me. I, every morning I'm at home, I'll say, hey, how, how's it going? And, and uh, something along those lines. This morning I said uh, to Kelly, I said, uh, got up and I said, hey, hey, you know, how, you have a good night, da, 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 whatever. She goes, you snored like a freight train. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, well, praise God, I was home for you to hear me snore like a freight train. And uh, I'm thankful for my kids. You know, you know, if you have children right now, be thankful for them. You know, turn around. That, that God put them in your path. I'm, I'm thankful for Deanna. She turned 34 this past Wednesday. 34 years ago. 34 years ago, I was trying to give my wife ice chips as she was delivering Deanna. And she was, looked at me and growled at me as I tried to give her ice chips. And fine, I picked up the remote, sat in the chair and watched the football. Amen. And... Uh, I praise God for uh, Josh. I thank thankful for Josh that Josh is taking care of my daughter and my grandkids. Thank you for my grandkids. I'm, I'm thankful for RG, uh, everything that RG's been through. I'm thankful uh, that uh, the only thing that he uh, is struggling with right now is his choice of football teams. He he uh, bless his heart and he's brutal. If he knows you like a team, brother Rob, and he knows your team is losing, he's like, we got to call Rob. <laughs> we got to we got to call Rob. He got to call Todd. He even wants to call Brian Davis from down in Southern Louisiana. But but I'm thankful for RG. I'm thankful for the fact that he's told me that we're putting up the tree Monday. Uh, he uh, you put up tree Monday. Uh, no excuses. So um, I'm 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 thankful for Jordan. I'm thankful that uh, I got to spend a couple of days with Jordan on the trip. And uh, thankful for Grace, um, thankful for Chip, Grant, 
and the three other children they're getting ready to have. I'm so thankful for that. I'm even thankful for our dog, Sweet Tea. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful uh, that she likes to run. Um, I'm unthankful that she comes back. Uh, so uh, I'm thankful. God, God put these people in my path. God put those people in your path. There, there are some people around you that you're like, God, why? Um, but I'm going to be thankful. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the deacons and their wives, the children of our church, the teenagers, the widows, the single parents, the college age, the couples, the families, the special needs people of our church. Uh, I look around and, uh, and I think about how fortunate we, uh, who have special needs children, how much you love our children. And, uh, and I think all of us would know that our children need our church because it's probably one of the few societies of such a diverse group of people that are okay with the oddity of who our children are. And uh, uh, Brother and Miss Lawrence, and I'm just waiting for Luke to break into a run during church. So... You let him go. If he starts running, y'all, let him go. He's having a good time. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all the teachers and workers. I'm thankful for all those who, who uh, right now are in our children's program, teaching and working with them. Uh, I was thinking about uh, this morning, David Dean rushed in, and Maddie's got staying at the end of the hallway, a young married couple, and he's rushing in, and they're rushing up to, to kind of work with the young people. I'm thankful that for the children check-in, I turn that corner, Miss Cap and Miss Brooke um, are sitting behind uh, that desk that comes up to their nose and uh, checking people in. This is Thanksgiving time. I'm thankful for who God put into our path. Thankful for the choir. Y'all always thrill my heart. You thrill our hearts. We're thankful for the singing groups, the orchestra, those who play the piano and the organ, uh, pre, post, and during. Uh, I appreciate all those who work the routes and bring people to church. I appreciate the video, the audio people. Um, we had a gentleman get saved by live stream. Uh, that, or, or he, Brother John led him to the Lord, but he, he uh, called the church this past week, and Brother John was able to talk to him, and he trusted Christ as a Savior. I'm, I'm thankful uh, for all the nursery workers of our church. Mm. That job in and of itself will make you grouchy, uh, it, will, it will cause you to second-guess your Christianity, and, and why you people keep going back, I have no idea. But the nursery workers, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the greeters of our church. Brother Terry, Ms. Karn got to start the, this morning greeting, and thank you very much. I'm thankful for the greeters. I'm thankful for those who, when someone walks through the door, they're there with a smile and a handshake. And I'm thankful for the ushers of our church. Uh, that I'm thankful for the fact that they can adjust themselves to find out at the last minute something they didn't know two weeks before, but it's got to be done today. Uh, so I am thankful for the youth workers. I'm thankful for all those who help with uh, <clears throat> take the teenagers on trips and soul winning yesterday and, and just teach them and work with them. And, and, and I'm thankful for our pastoral staff. I'm thankful for Brother John Robinson. He's our song director. Uh, I can always know that our website is uh, outdated uh, not by anything, but I find Brother John's picture on the website, and when he has hair, I know, nope, we got it, we're outdated, amen? And I think I just threw him under the bus. I'm, 
I'm thankful for Brother Juan Meeb. He's our Spanish pastor. Brother Jordan Gray, he's our youth pastor. Brother Mitchell Haley, he's our singles pastor. Brother Ethan Metters, he's our children's pastor. I'm thankful for all the staff uh, that works here at the church and at the uh, academy, at the seminary, at the bindery. Uh, we employ right at 68, 69 people across all of those. I am thankful. I'm thankful, members, for you coming. Those are what God has done in our world around us. And, and I think you need to take the time to look around you. But 1 Corinthians 15 and the Thanksgiving service today and this morning is not about the people in our past. This Thanksgiving is not stopping and turning around and looking at this and looking at the past. But 1 Corinthians 15 is thanks be to God. The Thanksgiving that is talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is not being thankful of what has happened to us or around us, but it's being thankful to God of what is going to happen to us in the future. It says, but thanks be to God, look at verse 57, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Final victory is not ours. Final victory is not what we're living in. We are living in the battle. We are living in the midst of it. And I understand sometimes 1 Corinthians 15 is taken and it is used as, oh my soul, we're winning the victory now. Now listen, final victory. We're, we're in quarters right now. We're in the middle of the game. We're, we're, we're finishing this quarter, getting ready to go to the next quarter. And we continuously are coming off the bench, getting back into the game, calling time out, going sitting down, getting refreshed, getting back into the game. But the buzzer hasn't sounded yet. The buzzer hasn't gone off yet. And when the buzzer goes off, final victory is when we rush the court and we lift Jesus Christ up and we shout hosannas for vinyl victory. But this Thanksgiving, regardless if you, if, 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 of how your world is going, and maybe you sit here and you go, well, you know, you mentioned family and I just don't have family. You, you, you mentioned friends and, and people around you. I just don't have that. I've got nothing to be thankful for on this Thanksgiving season. Oh, if you're saved... You've got something to be thankful for that's coming your way. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about doubting. 1 Corinthians 15 was written totally in context of the resurrection. Go back to verse number 12 if you're there, and let's put it in context and exegete the Scriptures here for just a little bit as we come down to the topic. Look at verse number 15. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. Now, now get into the context and understand what Paul was talking about the, with the Corinthian church. There were people walking around saying, you know there's no resurrection. You know that whole thing with Jesus Christ was a fluke. Look at verse 13. Paul's battling here. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is Christ not risen. You know what he said? If you believe these people, then you go look at that empty tomb and they just simply moved his body. He's not risen. Paul is trying to tell them, look, there are people among you that say there is no resurrection. Look at verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching what? Vain, and your faith is also vain. Can I stop and tell you this right now? If there is no resurrection, then all of my sermons just need to be speeches. They just need to be self-help speeches. They just need to make you feel good. Because if we believe this life is it, then just 
Our preaching's vain. Our faith is vain. Look at verse 15. Yay! And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if, if so be that the dead rise not. You know what Paul was saying? We're liars. He said, what you're saying is that if there is no resurrection, just by that one statement, that there is no resurrection, then we're wasting our life. If there is no resurrection, then that means we're a bunch of liars. And Paul was telling them, do you understand what they're saying when they say there is no resurrection? What they're saying is you're wasting your time. You're a liar by everything you stand up and say. And then look at verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Look at the, look at the progression. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your, what please, sins. Woo! Paul was standing up. He was saying, do you understand what they're saying? That if there is no resurrection and Christ didn't walk out of that tomb? Do you understand what they're saying? What they're saying about us is this. That we're wasting our time. What they're saying is, we're a bunch of liars. But there's something bigger than that. You're still dead in your sins. I want you to go back to your darkest day that right now you're trying to wipe off the guilt off your soul. And, and every time that you really think about it, it comes flooding back to what you, your flesh was capable of and you did. And you're just like, man, no, no, I'm glad that Christ. Do you understand what he's saying? If there is no resurrection, then all of a sudden you're still trapped in that darkest day. Then he says this, not only that, Look at verse 18. Oh, it gets worse. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are what? Perished. Oh, do you know? Walk out to the grave. What he was saying was, you, you see those people that, that are dead? Do you understand what they're saying? If Christ didn't rise from the dead, do you understand what they're saying? What they're saying is, is that you're wasting your time. What they're saying is you're a liar. And what they're saying is, is that you still are trapped in your sins. But one bigger than that, what they're saying is your loved ones right now are in hell. Then he makes this statement that he said this in verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. What he was saying was, and this is not an Easter sermon, this is a Thanksgiving sermon. What he's saying is this, do you understand that when they tell you there's no resurrection, that the progression of this thought is that your loved ones are in hell right now, you're still trapped in your sins, and you will go to hell, and in this life, you can only become men most miserable. But then Paul jumps back up and he says this, that's not true. That's not true because he is alive. And because he is alive, now we come to the verses. Look at verse 50. He says this, and here's we're working our way down to, to the sermon for this morning. He says this in verse number 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. On this Thanksgiving morning, on Sunday before Thanksgiving, I'm coming to you telling you this. Number one, he is alive. Okay? And because he is alive, understand what's going on. This flesh and blood cannot. 
this vehicle is not the vehicle that's going to take us into heaven. Because corruption, that's what you and I are. We're corrupt. Corruption cannot walk in. Flesh and blood, verse 51. But I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be what please changed you know what he's saying the resurrection is true and your loved ones that are asleep they are dead in Christ but here's what's going to happen your flesh and blood cannot go into how you are right now you can't go into heaven because you're corrupt your loved ones were corrupt, and your loved ones are going to be corruption has set in. But if right now, if you and I die, we join the dead, we join our bodies go to where all say believers, the body is in the ground, and corruption has taken it to a corrupted state. If right now, not trying to be be, be rude or insensitive, but if right now you went to where your loved ones were and you opened the coffin and the casket of your loved one, you would see the end of corruption. Corruption has taken everything out of your loved ones of all that could be corrupted and there's nothing left except bones and ashes and dust. That's corruption. You know what he says? He says, but there is a resurrection. And the trumpet's going to sound, and guess what's going to happen? That corruption puts on, and it's changed. You let that trumpet sound, and that body that's lying in that ground, it's changed. Keep reading, because it gets better. He said, then we which are alive, guess what? We too shall be changed. Now, always remember this. We're not going from a good state to a better state. Let me just clear this up. Sometimes we think, no, no, no. We are less corrupt than our loved ones who have died and they're in the grave. No, listen to me. They're corrupt. We're corrupt. They're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. And the Bible says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. Everybody gets changed that's saved, regardless if you're in the ground or you're alive. Those loved ones that are in the ground, they are dead in their corruption. Those of us that are alive, we are walking around in our corruption and you do nothing to that body, do you know how corrupt in smell that body will become? Corrupt. Don't, 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 don't brush your teeth. Don't take another shower. Come on now. Go play your volleyball. Go play. Two-a-days, when we played, when we had two-a-day football practice, we wouldn't wash our clothes. It was a badge of honor. I don't know why, but it just was a badge of honor. We'd have practice in the morning. We'd have practice in the afternoon. We'd suit up in them pads. We'd get out there and we'd hit people. We, we would do belly flops. We would do 40-yard dashes. We would get grimy. We would get dirty. And we'd come into that locker room and we'd take off them shoulder pads and we'd hook it on our locker, take off that helmet, take off those shoes and socks, and we'd let them rest. And we would go down to the buffet at Pizza Hut 
uh, over here off of Gilmer Road, and we would stuff ourselves with pizza. We would come back for the afternoon practice, and we'd put back on the same clothes that we took off for the morning practice, and then we'd go out in the afternoon practice. I'm trying to gore you all out, and we would, and then that pizza and those milkshakes inside that stomach would start to churn in that August weather, and right where the playground's at, excuse me, Yes, where the playground's at used to be a, a bleachers, and that's where we had our two-a-days. Where Austin Bank is up here used to be an empty field, and that's where we would go have our, our, our two-a-days. And, 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 and that would start churning and you know, through our helmet and the, the mouth guard. And, and just, are y'all enjoying life? And, and uh, then we'd come back at night, and we'd take that stuff off and shove it in our locker, take a shower in the locker room, go home, come back the next morning, put the same clothes back on. We would do this for two a days for two weeks straight and when you brought that home my mother was like it you could just stand it stands in its own corner <laughs> it's so corrupt hey let me tell you something don't do anything to your body the only reason your corruption is not coming out because you had a good mom and dad to tell you brush your teeth brush your teeth take a bath but if you look contextually here, look at verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, we're not there yet, we're not there yet, did y'all hear, we're not there yet, we still are living in corruption. No matter how good your life is right now, you're walking corruption. You are walking and just covering up your corruption with daily hygiene, and that's all you're doing. That's why you have to have your teeth pulled. That's why you have to have things done. That's why you have to go get, get, get more deodorant. You get the right kind of perfume and the right kind of cologne. And Why? Because you're just trying to cover up all of the corruption that keeps coming out. Don't do your teeth, and you'll start smelling your corruption. So will everybody else around you. But we are corruption. We have, we're not there yet. We are in the process of getting to the victory, but we're just in the fourth quarter, the fifth quarter, the sixth quarter. We're still going to the bench, getting rehydrated spiritually, coming out and trying to fight this thing again. Corruption. This is what Paul was telling them. Look, there is a resurrection, because if there is no resurrection, then you and I are in trouble. Corruption is decay. We are the perishable creation of God. Did y'all hear that? There is no preservative in your corruption that keeps you from being corrupted. When I went to South Africa, I was amazed that Josh and I went that first time and we walked in to the store and the shelves were like bare. I thought to myself, I was telling Billy, I, I was saying to a, a gentleman, him and his wife, Suzanne and Billy, natives of South Africa, and I, I said, your cupboards are bare. Your, your shelves in your stores are bare. Y'all having a food shortage? And they said, no. South Africa does not allow preservatives in their food. So their shelf life, it only lasts so long on the shelf, and you got to get to it. You see, we are like our food. We think there's preservatives in this thing. Go 24 hours without a preservative. You know, them children up there, you know it's time for them to use deodorant. Want to know why? Because, okay, we've reached that age. Let's sit down, let's talk. 
your body stinks. Get in that bath and take a shower. That's why junior camp, the dorms stink. Amen? Because corruption. So, so if you keep walking through the text, this corruption must put on incorruption. We're not there yet. This mortal must put on immortality. You see, right now we're mortal. Listen to this. We are liable to die at any moment. Nobody is assured that the driver coming towards you on the highway is as responsible as you think you are. You see, nobody is assured that the safety measures you put in place will stop the burglar. You're not assured of it. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, right now, you don't take care of your body and and corruption. You're corruptible. And you're liable to die at any moment because you're at the mercy of the people around. You're only as good as the society that you're liable to die at any moment. So where's my Thanksgiving at? On this Thanksgiving morning, uh, Sunday, I don't want you to look behind you or around you. I'm asking you to look ahead of you. Because the Bible says in verse number 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all listen to this. There is coming a day. In verse number 54, so when this corruptible have put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, by the way, that's written in Isaiah, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And then he says in verse 57, but thanks be to God. You know what I'm going to ask you to do today? Step out on the promise that he did rise from the dead, he is alive, and that whatever corruption and fears of death are taking hold of your life right now, thank God that it's not permanent. Thank him. Thank him that he conquered death, and we too are going to conquer death. And so when corruption starts taking over and it starts coming out in your life, when corruption pokes its ugly head out in the form of cancer and begins to eat away at your loved one's body, every time corruption begins to push through and take the mind of a person through Alzheimer's or dementia, every time corruption begins to arrive at the body in the form of debilitating arthritis or a disability, every time corruption begins to take its toll and doesn't stop and day by day, the medicines that, that the medical community give us is just to delay corruption. But when corruption uh, it sticks its ugly head up and it starts taking the flesh and destroying it, when corruption starts making your spirit become bad, when corruption starts taking the sins of the spirit and they start picking up, this is nothing more than corruption. And I think at some point, we need to stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God that it's not always going to be this way. If you're here today and you're looking at the life around you on this Thanksgiving and you're like, what do I got to be thankful for? You know what you got to be thankful for? You look to the future because Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross. You know what you can thank God for? It's not always going to be this way. 
Has corruption destroyed your body? Has corruption destroyed your marriage? Has corruption invaded your mind? Has corruption invaded your spirit? Has corruption taken over? Then know this, it's not always going to be this way. So if you can't thank God for the now and for the here and for the past, as a believer, you look to the future and you say, thank God that because you gave your son Jesus, who died on an old rugged cross, that when the final buzzer sounds, three, two, one, the stands are going to empty. And we're going to rush over to Jesus Christ and we are going to lift him up because once and forever we will be changed. And this corruption will put on incorruption. And this mortality will put on immortality. Then shall come to pass what was written, death, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Because no longer will corruption have a hold. Now see, to you and I, that we've bettered our life and we foo-fooed our flesh and we're a cut above. We don't know this kind of language. But you take somebody that corruption's beating them up every day and corruption has destroyed their family through alcohol and corruption has destroyed their family through drugs and corruption has destroyed their mind and corruption has destroyed their spirit. They groan in their spirit for something better. And I'm here to tell you there's something better coming and that's when he splits that eastern sky and that trumpet sounds and in a moment we are changed. And corruption drops off and mortality drops off and there's no more that do you know why some people can't smile corruption setting in do you know why some people have no joy corruption is setting in do you know why some people are like i just gotta have something different because corruption is set in but on this thanksgiving weekend i'm telling you let's look that way and let's just say thank you god Thank you that it's not always going to be this way. Then he gives the concluding verse in 58. And if I could do the same thing Paul did, and if I could conclude right here, verse number 58, therefore. He ended it this way. Therefore. Because there is a resurrection. Therefore. Because corruption won't be a permanent residence in your life. Therefore. Because immortality, because mortality, the fear and the susceptibility of dying, because your life is in the hands of the driver coming towards you. Your life is in the hands of your doctor making the right call. Your life is in the hands of the germs and the things around you. But I'm telling you right now, there's coming a day when you will no longer walk and have to stay away from anything around you that could take your life. Immortality. Incorruptible. Because that is our end, then Paul backs up in verse 58, and he says, what about our now? Look what it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what, please? Steadfast, unmovable, always what? abounding. Did you see those three things? Can we say those three things together? Ready? Be ye what? Steadfast. What? Unmovable. Always what? 
abounding. Do you, do you know what he's saying? You're headed toward incorruption. You're headed toward immortality. This is not the end. You're going to come out on the other side with it all gone. Start living that way on the inside. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Then he uses a phrase at the end of verse number 58. Look at it. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do do you know what? He is, he is taking that last verse and he's tying a string back to what he said at the very front of what they said. And I'm going to end on this. They, they took this and tied it back to this and said, do you remember how they told you that there's no resurrection? If that's the case, you're living a vain life, an empty life. I'm telling you, there is a resurrection. And if you'll be steadfast and unmovable and don't listen to them and understand, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep heading to where I'm going to be. Listen, whether you do anything right now or not, you're going to end up incorruptible. Whether you do anything right now or not, you're going to end up with immortality. You're going to get it. Why not start heading that way? And on the inside, don't move. Be stable. Always abounding. You should be getting more because that's where you're headed. He said this because your labor's not in vain. What does that mean? You're going to meet him one day. You're going to meet him one day. Would we not all agree if somebody finished 12 years of high school and then at the end of the last test that the teacher looked at them and said, okay, good job. You've completed your high school. Goodbye. What does every, what does every student want? graduation they want to step over here and they want to take that tassel and they want to turn it as much as couples say oh we're in love it doesn't matter about the wedding the house it doesn't matter about the dress I'm just so in love with you that I just want to get married I had a couple say that to me and I asked them if I could use this because it was funny I said how in love are you at the wedding oh we're not pastor we're just in love with each other. I said, really? So the wedding doesn't matter, the church doesn't matter, the dress doesn't matter, the gown. No, pastor, in fact, if we could just get married right now, this would be wonderful. I reached in my desk drawer, and I said, well, I just have that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I reached in my desk drawer. And I said, well, I just happen to have some marriage license here, so if you all join hands right now, and uh, dearly beloved, they're married, y'all go ahead and kiss, and I will sign right here. There, you're married. And they, they were like, oh, well, we, we uh, really didn't really want it to be that way. We think we would want a, no. Do you, do you know, everybody wants recognition at the end of the journey. A bride wants the marriage, I mean, wants, the, wants all the foo-foo and all the others and all this kind of stuff. And by the way, every fiancé is really a financier. He just doesn't know it. Like, like poor Trent. Is he in here? No. Trent's going to marry Katie, right? Trent had been paying attention to nothing I've been saying from the day he asked that girl. He's been sitting there going, okay, so that's going to cost me that, and that's going to cost me that. <laughs> he is the financier, amen? It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Want to know why it's not in vain? Because you're going to see him. 
and you want that well done. When I see the Savior, I want him to know that I try to be steadfast, unmovable, but always abounding. Can I ask you a question? What's your Christian life like right now? You say, I don't have anything to be thankful for. If you're saved, yes, you do. You may not have something to be thankful for for where you're at and where you've been, but you look to where you're going because you be thankful. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. We're not playing this game to see if we're going to win. We're playing this game because we have already won. And if we've already on the winning team, then let's act like winners. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, because it's not in vain. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, members, guests, could I have just 30 seconds of your time? Then corruption just gets worse. Your corruption will put on torment. Your mortality will put on gnashing of teeth. You will have to go to hell. The only reason any of us here are going to heaven is not because of the good that we've done. It's because of what he did on Calvary. And if you're here today and you're living life thinking that you can better your flesh to gain heaven, you can't. If you think getting baptized in that water will wash away your sins, it won't. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way you're going to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus became sin for us. Jesus became the very thing that causes corruption. He became that, but he beat it. He forgave our sins. And if you're sitting here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, or if you are like, I, I just don't know, and maybe you're like Brother Jason, that you, you are just like, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing. There, there's men going to be men, deacons at the end of the aisles. Please get out and come see them and shake their hand and just simply say, I don't know about eternity. All of us that are saved have been there to where we had to come to grips with eternity. Church members, if you've been struggling with this, get it settled. Guest, if you're looking for something else to turn over a new leaf, the only problem is this side of the leaf looks just like this side of the leaf. Both sides are sinners. You can't better it. It has to be forgiven, and he can do that.